Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Elixir podcast, where we cover the news of the community and learn from each other. My name is Mark Erickson. I'm Cade Ward. And I'm David Bernheisel. Let's jump into the news. Right now, there's not a whole lot of news going on that's been talked about because if you're familiar with the tech industry and security and stuff, there's like Black Hat Conference. When that comes up, nobody's talking about the big, impressive vulnerabilities that are being revealed because everything's everyone's holding everything back to be revealed during the presentations. So that's what's happening. Coming up to ElixirConf, a lot of the cool stuff that's going on that's actively being done is not being talked about and being held back. So... It's a little bit lighter today, but we want to still cover what we can and what we can tell you about. So one of the things is that LiveView version 0.18.0 is nearing release. So the change log has been updated. You can see what's coming. What's coming is actually pretty interesting. So we can expect this to be announced during the conference, probably. But there are some deprecations, particularly live redirect, live patch, and push redirect which is pushed down from the server side, those are being deprecated in favor of a new link component. And then from the server side, you can do a push navigate. This is just interesting because I've been seeing this coming for some time and been playing with this whole link component as well. I like the aspect of how this works. It makes it more portable. It's one of those things where you still, in order to keep up to date, you got to adapt. Yeah, like live redirects and live, you know, live patch, those are Kind of like you're you're gonna have it in your <laughs> in your live view app. If you're doing live view, yeah, you're gonna have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe you had the foresight though and you already have a link component and you just have to change it in one place, right? Wink wink. <laughs> Man, that's tap tap head thinking ahead. Yeah. That's that's what we have, so I don't know why you guys are complaining about <laughs> it's gonna be easy to upgrade. Well, okay, so LiveView is pre 1.0. So the breaking change kind of thing here, soft deprecations, rapid evolution can kind of be expected. But there was an interesting tweet from Jose recently about, well, I'll read some of it, what he says here, that he keeps reading the false dichotomy that languages and frameworks either must evolve and therefore break or stagnate, but are stable. While there's plenty of evidence that in both older languages like Erlang and C-sharp and newer languages like Rusco and Elixir that you can evolve without breaking code. All right. And it goes on. Uh, we got a link to the tweet. But, you know, hearing that, I don't know what to think about, <laughs> about Phoenix Live View. But I do appreciate, like, Ecto has been very stable in this regard. I think Phoenix itself has been very stable in this regard. But, you know, Phoenix Live View is pre 1.0, so I don't know what to expect there. I don't know. What do you what do you guys think? Well, I was thinking about that and just kind of reflecting on what does that mean? It's like, oh, I guess it doesn't apply to our frameworks. But at the same time, you know, if I'm creating a library like this, I don't want to be locked into an API that I made up when I was trying to figure out how to solve this problem. And as time goes on and we better understand the problem and we have new ideas, I want to be able to take advantage of those. And so what I really think he's coming down to, like Jose, when he's talking about this, is this idea of breaking changes and actually breaking code. And I know from working on previous frameworks like Rails, when you move from one version to another, it would not compile, it would not run until you made these changes. Like it was breaking changes. And it was very costly to do all the work to get that done. Because like in order to get to this version, you've got to fix it all. Yeah. And if you have a big project, that can really be difficult. 
So what's different here is these are significant changes, right? But they are done as a soft deprecation, which means you're going to get the warnings, you're going to see it, and you're going to have time. We don't know exactly how much time. Like, I don't know that Chris is committing to a year's worth of support or or even just, <laughs> you know, a couple months, but it or one major version, another like dot 19. I don't know. But it is the kind of thing where I can update to take advantage of the new live view. And I don't have to update everything to be able to deploy my app. Yeah, kind of kind of like the leaks versus the heeks templates. Like both are still supported, but you're going to want that new hotness. Yeah, like in my app, I've got an app where I still have some templates that haven't been migrated and they still work. And I just haven't gotten to them, but it hasn't been critical. So it's one of those things where I think that's kind of what Jose is hinting at. Like if it's done right, you can have those things where they can coexist for a period of time and make the transition smoother. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like, you can keep using a lot of these things that keep coming out without a hard stop. Like I remember spending a lot of time on just getting Ruby on Rails to work on the next version. And I don't even know how to do Rails, so it was even harder. But like (laughs) the fact that we had to do that is so hard, right? And it's like, I don't feel like I ever do that in Elixir. It's like you upgrade and you're like, oh, there's a bunch of warnings. I should fix those sometimes. You're still up to date and you have time to fix those things. It's not just a hard stop. So that's probably the differentiator there. We joke about LiveView, but they're making all these improvements and they're deprecating things. They're not just like, well, good luck updating to 18. It's one huge commit. (laughs) (laughs) All that goes without saying, though, that like if you're on the very first public release of LiveView and you try to upgrade to .0.18 here, you, you probably are out of luck. <laughs> but if you're keeping up, you know, as as the releases come out, I want to say that even Rails is this way, too. If you're making bigger jumps, maybe that's not as universally true. But if you're keeping up with the minor jumps, maybe it's not so bad. But I do recall some upgrades being pretty hairy on the Rails side. But I don't know. I, I treat soft deprecations as hard deprecations in, in my code base. When I see those warnings, I, I get them out as quickly as I, that's like that's a requirement for me. <laughs> so, And to be fair, you can set your build server to fail anything that has warnings. Which a lot of people do. So it is a hard deprecation at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so next up, we just wanted to point out that Microsoft Azure has launched dev boxes. We'll drop a link to the tweet in the show notes. But we had discussion earlier on remote development environments on episode 110, but also stay tuned. Coming up in the next week or so, we have another discussion about remote development environments. Yeah, so the the announcement says that uh, dev boxes are now available in preview. And with the dev box, you don't need to spend any time trying to get your environment set up for the code. You'll be ready to code, project-specific workstations, et cetera, et cetera. So check that out if you're interested. Of course, I think they'll be running on Azure servers, which, you know, I'm sure is what the whole goal is. Wouldn't that be a turn of events if uh, <laughs> Microsoft Azure announces an AWS product? <laughs> or or even a run this on any cloud provider you want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also up in the news, uh, there's a new Ecto adapter, a new Ecto plugin. I don't know, adapter library for Ecto for Timescale DB. If you haven't heard of Timescale, Timescale is a time series focused plugin. I think that, I think there is a difference between plugins and extensions for Postgres. Something that works with Postgres to get time series to work well. It is an open source relational database for time series and analytics. In my head, I think Timescale DB is a good like a good way to get there with your normal comfortable Postgres environment, 
to get to something with a lot of data and being able to like bucket that time-based data well and query that. A lot of those features that you might end up trying to go to some enterprise solutions like Snowflake or uh, something like, like that, there might be a good step with Postgres before you have to go jump to those other solutions that are much more different. Anyway, so this work is being done by Bitfo, and I think that includes uh, Dave Lucia. So we got a link uh, in the show notes to go check it out on GitHub. Timescale DB has been on my list for a very long time of something I want to seriously investigate. Yeah. We actually do use Snowflake at my current job. And in addition to Snowflake, we do want to use Timescale DB. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not, not necessarily a stepping stone to get there. Yeah. Good call there. But it fills a good hole for Postgres. It's interesting because like the the thing that I feel like it'll solve for us is like we're doing a bunch of calculations and we keep them in gen servers so we don't have to do those calculations on the fly. Imagine if you could just not keep things in memory and just say, hey, database, give me this aggregate. And it's like, well, I know how to do that. That's my specialty. It's not going to take more than a few milliseconds to do it anyway. So now I don't have to keep anything in memory. I can just call the database. It just simplifies things. Right, right, right. Yeah, so, th so the classic example is like stock prices over time, right? You record the stock prices, but you don't care about like 10 years ago what the stock price was. So that ends up getting squashed to some aggregated data, but that's still like included in how Timescale does its querying and, and so forth like that. There's so many cool things in there too. It's like, well, what if you also want the last five minutes and that hasn't been aggregated yet? So it's the database is like, all right, well, I have all the pre-aggregated data I will on the fly compute the stuff that hasn't been aggregated yet. And I know how to merge those together. And now you have real-time aggregates for the complete set of data. It's like, just boggles my mind. It's so cool. So there you go. Go check out the Ecto adapter. And thanks, Dave Lucia, for putting on this work. And that's it for the news. Fly.io supports this podcast by providing editing services. Beyond being great for supporting us, they are a great place to host your next Elixir app. Check them out at fly.io. Today we're going to talk about ElixirConf because this is the week of ElixirConf and we are excited to be there and be participating. So David and I, you know, we're going to be presenting. We're super excited about that. But we just want to talk about what we're doing at ElixirConf. So maybe first we should say there's multiple Elixir conferences. There are multiple ElixirConf conferences like EU. So how, how would you describe this ElixirConf? This ElixirConf being in the U.S. and being a U.S. citizen, this is the premier Elixir Conf in the whole world. Oh. <laughs> this is where all the big announcements come. That's right. I'll put the glove down. Rest of the world, challenge me. <laughs> I do think it's, it's fair to say in the past, most of the big announcements have happened at the Elixir Conf U.S., which I think is kind of the official one. I don't know if it's fair to say official. Nah, they're all official, but like the EU and the, e and the US ones are definitely the, the large ones, I think. And there are a lot of big announcements that happen in the EU one too. It's, yeah. Oh, I mean, we learned about types, the type system stuff at the ElixirConf EU. That's huge. So this year, ElixirConf is being done a little differently. It is virtual and in person, but it's also three days plus the a day of training. So that caught me off guard initially, actually, that it was three days and done differently. Because like, so it's a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for the actual main part of the conference. That's not just training. The Wednesday one is almost like one of those smaller conferences where it's, it's like there's two tracks. There's the nerves track, pretty much is kind of the way I would describe it. And then there's the not nerves track. <laughs> Everything else. 
less exciting stuff. Just kidding. Everything's exciting. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for the other stuff. Don't worry. So what's interesting is that it's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday conference, which is the first time it's been done this way. And the Tuesday day of the conference is all training. Wednesday, you're having morning stuff is virtual, and then the afternoon stuff is in person. So I'm really interested is just to see how this goes and feels and how people are able to participate virtually, like if they're able to see the in-person presentations as well. There's a lot of interesting stuff in there. I was glancing through it, and one thing that always pops up, something that I I keep wondering about is this guy named Matthew Platts that's talking about building a Heeks component library. It's like component libraries, every time I need to go do a dropdown that's not just a native dropdown, I'm like, ah, the pain. So it's like, I, how, what, what, there's got to be a better way. Show, show me what I'm, what am I missing? Yeah. I'm literally doing that right now and I feel your pain. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know, maybe he's going to like just bust out like this mind boggling, like, oh, you've all been doing it wrong. So I, I'm interested in that. There is a, a good variety of topics here. The Elixir Conf is kind of joked to being, you know, nerves conf. I think there's even stickers for that. You know, there's Phoenix conf at some point. There, you know, now it's going to be like live book conf probably. <laughs> so there's there's a lot of good topics out there, and I'm a little eclectic in my my tastes. I think there's just so much good stuff in there. Live view conf was like a year or two ago when it was announced. Like every, every talk was about live view in some way. It was a being a little bit honest. It was a little annoying because I I wanted (laughs) to find some other topics to to learn about too. There's some good ones in here that I see a lot of like, there's going to be one, you know, by Sean Moriarty about Axon. I got to learn more about this machine learning stuff. Of course, there's going to be some live view things, but there's, there's a talk by Owen Bickford over there at Elixir Wizards. He's going to talk about web authin which is this this new authentication uh, style that browsers are coming. And if there's anything I know about the web is that I have to log into every single application, like web app. <laughs> and so that this has, you know, this is a topic that's going to like change, uh, hopefully, I, I, I think, I'm, I'm guessing, change the way that the web feels over the next like 10 years. So I'd like to see how that works with, with like Live View. You know, so there's a little bit of Live View in there. There's a little bit of machine learning in there. I'm curious of what Keith Lee is going to say about the solid principles. I'm sure, that'll be interesting. Oh, and there's a, there's another one here by Chris Keel, Match Specs. I feel like this is going to be like one of those those unknown hits. I think that's going to be this is going to be a good thing that comes out of the conference. Uh, so we'll we'll see about that. The last thing I'm like really looking forward to is that track outside of the conference over the river with the lazy, you know, the laziness there, maybe a margarita. That's going to be my favorite talk. Just me and my margarita just talking as we go down. <laughs> you talk to yourself the... like as you're just floating? <laughs> yeah, you don't. <laughs> no, I never tried it, I guess. <laughs> you are your own best friend. Don't you know that? You should talk to yourself more often. Mm, this is getting weird. <laughs> <laughs> But one of the things I always enjoy doing with ElixirConf is enjoy attending conference talks that are very interesting to me personally, but are also what I think might be interesting to our listeners. And I also then go up to them afterward and say, hey, I'd love to have you on the show to talk about more in depth about what you're doing here and what, what I thought was interesting. So I would love to hear from you, dear listener. If you're attending the conference or you're watching it virtually and you're like, wow, I would love to hear more about this from this person connect with us online, you know, reach out and let us know. And we will certainly love to go deeper on some of these cool topics. 
But one of them I have to mention, I have to say I'm looking forward to, you know, Chris Keithley talking about solid code isn't flexible. One of the things I love about Chris Keithley is even if I don't agree with all of his conclusions or, or the, the point that he's making, he always makes me think. And that's what I think is valuable is just to challenge the commonly held beliefs that we just kind of maybe forget that we are even holding this belief because it's just so, so common to think this way. I love being challenged like that. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's going to be pitching at the conference. Yep. That will be interesting to hear. I love new ideas. I like thinking differently. I love hearing other people's opinions. So I'm excited to, to see these. Oh, and this is the conference where we have a 10 year anniversary of Elixir as well. I'm super excited about that. And I'm sorry, those folks that are attending virtually, this is going to be a landmark thing. You know, I'm not personally anticipating any huge ecosystem shaking, you know, announcements here. And maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but hopefully I'm wrong. But I think we're starting to turn into the season of Elixir and its ecosystem of maturation, you know, getting those good libraries out there, starting to lead the pack on like web technology and trends, I think. Maybe maybe we're going to start like turning that corner here. And this conference, I think, is going to be one of those moments, you know, as I think back over Elixir's lifetime, right, where the 10 year anniversary of Elixir is like this. This is this is where it was real. It has shed its niche title. It is no longer niche. It is no longer small. This is real. This is this is the the, the next you know big thing. And uh, maybe I'm hyping it too much, but this is going to be a good a good conference. So I'm very excited about it. One of the things I'm also looking forward to, this is challenging to replicate in a virtual conference, but is the hallway track. And that's just that time where you're connecting with people maybe you've worked with before in other places. Maybe it's people that you're like, oh, I recognize that person. And I have a question about something they're they're working on. And, I, and just being able to connect and network and, and have those conversations where you can just be walking by in the hall and you see a little cluster of people and they're talking about something. You just kind of listen in. It's like, oh, that's super interesting. And you just jump in and start learning something new. That's one of those things that I really look forward to coming back to a physical conference. Yep, that's true. For you guys who are going to be there in person, that will be very fun for you and for the rest of us. <laughs> Better luck next time. (laughs) (laughs) What I have seen with some of the virtual conferences is like these virtual tables where you could declare a topic or even just people would collect and you could jump around into these small little clusters. And maybe there'll be something like that here too. I think what's interesting about the first, like the morning part of the conference being virtual, it gives us a chance to, even if we're at the conference, be able to participate in that virtual way with people who aren't there. So I'm looking forward to seeing what that's like as well. They'll just have like a microphone sitting in there so that, and a, and a webcam so you can like watch and hear the people like talking and having fun and you'll like say something and no one will hear it because the speaker is really quiet and like, I want to have a remote control robot where I can just like make it poke people. Hey, move. I can't see now. (laughs) That would actually be really amazing if there was like nerves integration, like physical (laughs) equipment that you could like do things. You could like spray a little squirt gun at people when they walk by or something. Just like fun little gimmicky things that you could do remotely. I, I think that would be hilarious. Well, that would be an interesting nervous project to do in the training, like the, the day You're before. Preparing so you can build stuff. your little devices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of Toucan. Uh, so the, for the virtual attenders, I don't know if the, the, the social parts will be on Toucan, but if they are, 
I know that's always a fun a fun thing to see happen when people start sending hearts or something to to each other pe- other people at other tables and just like totally spam the system, slow it down. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still fun. Well, we are looking forward to the conference and it is time for us to go enjoy it. So if you're at the conference, come say hi. How can people recognize us, David? So we got some purple shirts with a little head and brain on it that says Thinking Elixir. So you'll see at least two of us, Mark and David, we'll be we'll be roaming around with a couple of purple t-shirts. And, you know, now, now that I think of it, there's probably going to be a lot of folks in purple t-shirts. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if the Elixir Comp t-shirts are purple. So we'll find out. So if that fails, that color fails, look for the little head and brain on our shirt. <laughs> you guys couldn't have picked a better color? Jeez. <laughs> like bright orange. Then we get confused with the Phoenix people. Oh, true. Dang it. <laughs> Pink. Then it would be the Gleam people. And green would be the Ecto people. There's no, yeah, yeah, pur- purple's it. Purple's a good one. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to the conference. Hopefully, we'll see you there. And if not, you can reach out to us online. Check the show notes for your preferred way of reaching out, be it email, Twitter, or whatever. But hope to see you at the conference. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us next time on Thinking Elixir.